Hey, Tad, hope you're staying dry today in Issaquah. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a bit of a wet Wednesday for you with light rain expected throughout the day. But we've got some news to keep you company. Absolutely. Let's dive in. In the gaming world, Sony announces significant layoffs, affecting 8% of its global workforce in the PlayStation division. Not only that, but they're also closing their London studio in the UK. This major shakeup comes as Sony slashes its PlayStation 5 sales forecast amid decreasing demand. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker, and this is Game Plan from PocketPod News. Moving on to politics, President Joe Biden wins Michigan's Democratic presidential primary, but faces a notable protest vote over his stance on Israel and Gaza. Meanwhile, Donald Trump secures a significant victory in the state's Republican primary. With Michigan playing a key role in the upcoming election, both parties are watching closely. And finally, the New York Times takes legal action against OpenAI. The newspaper alleges misuse of its journalistic content to train OpenAI's chatbot without proper licensing. It's a pivotal moment that could have broad implications for the AI industry and content creators alike. Stay with us. We've got all the details on these stories and more to kickstart your day. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to PocketPod.app to join the waitlist. Big shifts are happening at Sony, with the tech giant announcing significant layoffs within its PlayStation division. That's right. Approximately 900 employees, making up 8% of the division's global workforce, are being let go. This move casts a shadow over the future of several major PlayStation studios and even includes the closure of its London studio. And this isn't just about cutting costs. Sony's aiming for long-term sustainability and adapting to a market that's seen decreased demand for the PlayStation 5. It's a tough time across the board in the tech and gaming industries, with many companies announcing layoffs. To get a deeper understanding of what this means for Sony and the wider gaming community, we're joined by PocketPod News visiting business analyst Anthony Byers. Anthony, how significant are these changes for Sony, and what could they mean for gamers around the world? Well, Steve, the recent announcement from Sony regarding the layoffs of approximately 900 employees from its PlayStation division is not just a significant move for the company, but it also sends ripples across the entire gaming industry. This decision accounts for 8% of the division's global workforce, which is substantial by any measure. What's crucial to understand here is that Sony is aiming to reposition itself for long-term sustainability amid shifting market dynamics. This includes focusing more on delivering optimal experiences for its gaming community. That sounds like a big shakeup. Can you tell us more about the closure of London Studio and what it signifies? Absolutely, Steve. The closure of London Studio is particularly noteworthy because it represents a key development center for Sony in Europe. It's part of Sony's broader restructuring efforts and signals significant changes within its operational footprint in Europe. By closing down such a pivotal studio, Sony seems to be consolidating its resources and perhaps focusing on other areas that align more closely with its strategic goals moving forward. And how widespread is the impact of these layoffs across Sony's major studios? The layoffs are indeed widespread, affecting major studios such as Insomniac Games, Naughty Dog, Guerrilla, and Fire Sprite across various regions, including the Americas, Japan, EMEA, Europe, Middle East, Africa, and APAC, Asia Pacific. 
Herman Hulse provided this detail following Jim Ryan's announcement. This shows that Sony's strategy shift isn't localized but impacts its game development capabilities globally. The ramifications could be quite extensive, potentially affecting game release schedules and ongoing project developments. Speaking of ongoing projects, do we know how many or which projects might be canceled or delayed due to these changes? While specific details on which projects will be canceled or delayed haven't been disclosed publicly, it's clear that some ongoing projects at different stages of development will not continue as planned. This could indeed delay or even cancel some highly anticipated game releases from these affected studios. It underscores the real-world consequences of such corporate restructuring, not just for those employed, but also for gamers eagerly awaiting new titles. There was also a mention of decreased sales forecasts for PlayStation 5 consoles. How does this factor into Sony's decision-making? That's an important point to highlight. Following warnings about decreasing demand for the PlayStation 5 console, Sony cut its sales forecast by 4 million units for its fiscal year, from 25 million down to 21 million units. This adjustment likely reflects not just challenges in market demand, but might have been a significant factor in their decisions surrounding these layoffs and restructurings. And finally, how does this fit into the broader context of layoffs across the tech industry? Well, Steve, we're seeing a trend where significant job cuts are happening across not only the tech industry, but also within gaming companies like Microsoft laying off employees from Activision Blizzard and Xbox, among others like Unity, Google, Snapchat, eBay, PayPal, DocuSign, Octoblock, Discord, Twitch, and Duolingo. Facing similar situations due to various economic pressures, it highlights that Sony's situation isn't unique, but part of larger economic uncertainties impacting many major players in both tech and gaming sectors. It certainly puts things into perspective. Thank you, Anthony, for your insights. My pleasure, Steve. Thanks for having me. The road to the White House runs through Michigan again, with both the Democratic and Republican presidential primaries revealing crucial insights. Indeed, President Joe Biden clinched the Democratic primary, but not without facing a wave of protest votes over his stance on Israel's ongoing conflict in Gaza. Meanwhile, former President Donald Trump sailed to victory in the Republican primary, underscoring his unwavering grip on the party. PocketPod News national political correspondent Don Gallup joins us to break down these results and what they could mean for the battleground state of Michigan as we edge closer to November's presidential election. Don. With Biden and Trump both eyeing Michigan, how are these primary outcomes shaping their strategies? Well, Jonathan, the primary results in Michigan are indeed setting a fascinating stage for the presidential race. Starting with the Democratic side, President Joe Biden's win was anticipated, but what caught many by surprise was the volume of protest votes, about 40,000 uncommitted ballots after just 31 percent of votes were counted. This is a clear signal of dissatisfaction from within his own party, particularly concerning his stance on Israel's actions in Gaza. That's a significant number of protest votes. Can you delve a bit deeper into why we're seeing this level of discontent among Democrats? Absolutely. The discontent stems largely from Biden's unwavering support for Israel amidst its conflict with Hamas and Gaza. Many in Michigan's Arab-American community and progressive Democrats feel sidelined by this stance. The Listen to Michigan campaign has been pivotal here, rallying voters to express their dissatisfaction through these uncommitted votes with hopes of pushing an anti-war agenda at the Democratic National Convention. Turning to the Republican primary, how does Trump's victory play into his campaign strategy moving forward? 
Trump's win in Michigan underscores his enduring grip on the Republican Party, garnering 67% support against Nikki Haley's 28% with 32% of estimated votes counted isn't just a win, it's a demonstration of strength. It signals that despite controversies and division within the GOP nationally and within Michigan itself, Trump remains a formidable force. His focus now is undoubtedly on leveraging this victory to energize his base and frame himself as the inevitable choice for Republicans come November. And speaking of November, how do these primaries inform both parties' approaches in this crucial battleground state? Both parties are now acutely aware of their strengths and vulnerabilities. For Democrats, it's about balancing progressive demands with broader party unity, especially on foreign policy issues like Gaza, which could alienate key voter blocs if not addressed thoughtfully. For Republicans, it's capitalizing on Trump's popularity while navigating internal divisions that could impact voter turnout or swing undecided voters. The broader implication here is that both parties cannot take Michigan for granted. They need to fine-tune their strategies and messages to resonate with a diverse electorate that could swing either way in what promises to be a razor-thin margin come Election Day. Before I let you go, Don, any final thoughts on statements from Biden and Trump following these primaries? Yes, Jonathan. Biden focused on themes of democracy and participation in his statements, choosing not to directly address the Gaza situation or the protest votes, but emphasizing unity and engagement instead. Trump was more victory-oriented in his remarks, projecting confidence about winning big in November. Both are sticking to their narratives, but clearly have different battles ahead as they look towards Michigan and beyond. That was PocketPod News National Political Correspondent Don Gallup. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Always a pleasure to dive deep into these crucial political dynamics. The frontier of artificial intelligence is no stranger to controversy, but a new legal battle is bringing ethical and copyright issues into the spotlight. That's right. The New York Times has filed a lawsuit against OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, accusing it of using their journalistic content without permission to train its AI. In a dramatic twist, OpenAI has fired back with accusations of its own. To help us navigate through this complex issue, we've got PocketPod News technology correspondent Alex Harmon on the line. Alex, this isn't just about copyright infringement anymore, is it? Absolutely not, Jonathan. What we're seeing unfold between the New York Times and OpenAI is a multifaceted legal and ethical saga that goes well beyond a simple case of copyright infringement. It's essentially highlighting the broader debates over the intersection of technology, law, and ethics in the age of artificial intelligence. Let's start with the basics of this lawsuit. Can you give us a summary? Sure. The crux of the lawsuit is that the New York Times has accused OpenAI of using its journalistic content to train ChatGPT without obtaining the necessary licensing agreements, thereby committing copyright infringement. In retaliation, OpenAI has made some strong counterclaims, suggesting that the New York Times resorted to unethical practices by allegedly hiring someone to hack into its products to generate misleading results from ChatGPT by exploiting a bug. That sounds quite serious. What does this all mean in the broader context? It's significant on several levels. First, it draws attention to the ethical and legal responsibilities of AI developers in using copyrighted materials for training their technologies. This isn't an isolated incident. As AI becomes more integrated into our daily lives, how companies like OpenAI source their training data is under increasing scrutiny. Second, it raises questions about the methods used by entities like the New York Times in testing and reporting on these technologies, specifically whether those methods cross ethical or legal lines. 
And what about the impact on content creators? They seem to be caught in the middle here. Exactly, Jonathan. Content creators across various industries have expressed concerns over their work being used without consent to train AI systems like ChatGPT. This lawsuit could potentially serve as a bellwether for how copyright protections are enforced in the digital age, especially concerning AI-generated content. Depending on how this case is resolved, it could set precedents that either bolster or undermine copyright protections for artists, authors, journalists, and filmmakers alike. But haven't there been other lawsuits against OpenAI? Why is this one seen as particularly promising? That's a good point. While there have indeed been several lawsuits filed against OpenAI by individual creatives alleging unauthorized use of their work, many of those cases haven't gained much traction legally. However, the New York Times legal challenge stands out due to its prominence and resources. It's viewed as having a better chance at successfully challenging OpenAI's practices around using copyrighted material for AI training purposes. This case might set important legal precedents regarding how such material can be utilized moving forward. It seems like we're at a critical juncture then with this lawsuit. Absolutely. We're at a pivotal moment where the decisions made could significantly influence future directions in AI development and copyright laws. This case underscores critical questions about intellectual property rights and ethical standards in technology testing. Balancing innovation with respect for original content creators' rights will be key. Fascinating insights as always. Thanks for breaking down this complex issue for us today. Glad to be here discussing these important topics with you, Jonathan. Thank you. That was PocketPod News Technology Correspondent Alex Harmon. Thanks for joining us today. And that's Game Plan for Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Tad. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to PocketPod.app.